Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so glad to be back with you. I hope you had a great weekend. I've got my Bible open to a couple of different places. John 6, 29 says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I love the simplicity of that. First John 5, 12 says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I love the simplicity of Scripture, how clear the gospel is. I love uh, being with you, and today is going to be a wonderful day. We're going to start off with Patrick Albanese, and then the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles, and then an amazing second hour coming up as well with Beth Guckenberger. She's going to be talking about trauma. That's all ahead on today's show, just for you. Patrick is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, and he's with me on our Skype line from the beautiful, prestigious city of West Des Moines. Patrick, good Afternoon to you. Oh, you you didn't know what to say, did you? I didn't know what to say. Good morning, good day. (laughs) Well, thanks for pointing that out, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Here's you know how my day started. I uh, I I put a little one of those Keurig cups in the machine, and I hit brew, and I come back later and realized that I had forgotten to put a cup (laughs) (laughs) underneath to catch the coffee. And so here's the, this is, here's an insight into how my mind works. I'm not sure if I was more upset about the coffee all over the place or the fact that I just wasted 70 cents. Yeah. Knowing (laughs) you, you, you're probably thinking I just blew 70 cents on a, I just blew. Yeah. 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 And so here it is on the countertop. And so I got out of straw and I drank as much (laughs) of it as I could. (laughs) You can't let good coffee go to waste. I agree. I agree. That's so, how my day started. Yeah. How was your weekend, by the way? I'm just curious. Well, as you know, I always say uh, no one got hurt, so it was good. Uh, it was, it was, it was action-packed and fun-filled. My daughter had her twelfth uh, birthday party. Nice. Uh, and I, I was the entertainment, and uh, we did it at my wife's workplace, and we took over a theater and set it up. Nice. And it was way too much work. Uh, and then after that, she had to go to a dance concert, which got rained out, so they had to move it indoors. So they said, hey, can you lend us a hand here? I said, I've kind of done my thing for the day, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it just it was one of those uh, weekends where every time you turned around, there was more to do. And it was it was actually a great opportunity because my kids were watching the whole time. And uh, at, one time my, at one point, my daughter says, you know, I'm really sorry about all the extra stuff, Dad. I said, no, nah, you know what? The other... Uh, Things like this are what set set days apart yeah, and so make true. them unique and special. Yeah. So true. So true. So, so one thing I heard over the weekend, and I know you and I love to talk about words and expressions and things that we hear all the time, and then we yeah. love to um, dissect them a little bit. But I heard over the weekend when someone was caught doing something wrong, the response was, well, I'm only human. Now, how often do we hear that? Uh, all the time. Uh, coming from somebody else. I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think in uh, the event you're referring to uh, was a, yet again, a governor got caught uh, violating 
the orders that the governor laid down. And um, it's been multiple times with this particular governor. Are you allowed to say who it was? Well, I don't think it matters. I think the response is what we want to focus on, which is the de- default response. Often, I'm only human. So let's talk about what does it mean to be only human? Yeah. Well, first off, I would love to know if that excuse works in a court of law. <laughs> because uh, I got a speeding ticket once. It's It's been quite a few years. Uh, but I would love to have just said to the officer that pulled me over, hey, what can I say? Only humans. What? You're writing a ticket? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I use the oh, I'm I'm only human excuse. Doesn't that excuse everything? Because, yeah, you're human. You make mistakes. OK, now what? But what does being human mean? We're born into this world with a sin condition. There is a brokenness in this world. And unless you confess your sins um, and become born again, you are living in a perpetual state of sin. So it's very easy to, you know, not only break God's moral law all the time, but break your own personal standards. Well, I often say that the only way to... Uh, never violate your own standards is to not have any, um, which is quite a low bar. Uh, it's it's like the people that love to call Christians hypocrites. You know, they love to see that oh, look what happened to this this famous pastor, and which means all, all of you guys are garbage. That's what it is because there was a hypocrite in your midst. It's like first of all, I think we're all hypocrites. We all do things at times, and we say, I don't know, I don't know about that third dessert. I really, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I would I, never have I, that third dessert ever. I, I would, I would recommend against it for just about everybody else. But, yeah. So you violate, your, you, you, you violate yeah, your you own violate standards. Your standards. Sure. So you, we're all hypocrites at times, uh, but at also times. when you are in a public place and you are in a public position and you have. You do something that is against your own personal standards and what you have instituted for uh, everyone else's behavior, and then you violate that. And the response is, I'm only human. I go, well, what is being human? Yeah. yeah. And, and this, of course, I think is, is more egregious than somebody saying, you know, you probably shouldn't, let's say, smoke cigarettes, and you, you, you might discover that person smoking a cigarette. You say, aha. But this would be like somebody saying, I've made it illegal for everybody to smoke cigarettes and then they get caught smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You'd say, oh my goodness, uh, you know, it, it's so a governor is passing laws that uh, people are being held to and are going to have to pay fines for uh, to excuse, yeah, it, it, you know, only human, I think, A, not a very good excuse that this governor used because it doesn't pass the smell test. But, you know, what does it mean to be human? Um, okay, so you admit to being one of us, but <laughs> you know, how does it get you off the hook? You know, uh, I, I, I don't know if you had a, um, a, a judgment day um, a defense lined up for yourself. I don't know if that would work too well. <laughs> you know, um, could you imagine uh, appearing before God saying, by the way, uh, before you say anything, I just want you to know I'm only human. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, would a more appropriate response be, I, I broke a law that I myself instituted, and I am wrong for doing that, and I'm, it was my fault. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, but does anybody ever pay a price for something like that? I mean, what would be, so. do, you, do you say you have to step down as governor? Well, no, uh, yeah, you know, but um, I think... 
I've never liked when a politician says, well, that I, I take full responsibility. My question is always, and? Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you take full responsibility. And so what happens? Oh, that's it. I'm just taking full responsibility. Right. I mean, are you, are you going to like lose a paycheck? Do you, did you, does, uh, I see Memorial Day. Do you have to go to work on Memorial Day? Are you going to pay any price for this? Or does that, just like the I'm only human excuse, say, okay, can we stop talking about this? There, I take full responsibility. I'm going to keep my job. I'm going to keep my salary and all the perks. And uh, there will be no price to pay. I, I think that's one of the things people get tired of with politicians uh, you know, just to use them as an example, you think, oh, well, none of those phrases mean anything anymore. We've taken all the meaning out of it. I'm only human. Okay. Doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So I saw, I saw that there was a survey. The average person thinks they could survive two weeks in the wilderness. And now I could definitely do that if they delivered hot food and fresh cold water to the wilderness. <laughs> but first off, really? Two weeks? Two weeks. In the wilderness? Isn't that nuts? I would last oh, about, my. you and I, Patrick, yeah. would last about 20 minutes. I remember one time walking from the uh, the, the camper, <laughs> the, mobile, uh-huh. the mobile home, to the public restroom they had at the KOA campground. Yeah. And uh, about 10 minutes later when I got back, because it was quite the lengthy walk, as you can imagine, because um, you know, they had showers there. That's where you could take a shower. Right. I, said, I think I'm pretty much done with this wilderness thing. <laughs> that's two weeks? Yeah, that's, that's so optimistic. I agree. I mean, can you start a fire with just a flint? Do you no, even know no, what a no. flint is? Because I don't. Well, I don't know where you find one in the wild. Don't you have to? <laughs> I mean, do they give you that kind of stuff when you when you leave? I have no idea. I, have no I know. Idea. I went to some of the scout meetings with my son, and they're trying to have you identify all kinds of uh, bugs. I says, we, we, the way we live our lives, we're probably not going to see many bugs. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to see much of this. Yeah, I just if do you guys get Netflix out here? I think it's <laughs> right. Can I? Is it okay to put a dish on top of my pup tent? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, two we, weeks is optimistic. Yeah, we certainly have it considerably easier compared to our forefathers. Our, yes, I mean about people that uh, cross the country in a covered wagon yeah, and you imagine you know somebody got an abscessed tooth and they say, well, that person's a goner, right? That's it. You can't have an abscessed tooth and survive a trip. <laughs> I know. We have it pretty good, don't we? We have it pretty good. We, you know, I scraped. I, I had a little bit of wrist pain from uh, putting in some flowers the other day. And then I look in my cabin and I say, I have 14 options to take care of this pain. <laughs> 14. Mm-hmm. I took them all, by the way. I figured. I <laughs> and then went to the drugstore to find two more, I bet. That would be my guess. Something I'm missing out on. Yeah. All right. After a short break, Patrick and I will be back covering what else went on over the weekend. We'll be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. That walk-up music belongs to Patrick Albanese, who is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, um, as I was looking at some of the reports of UFOs over the weekend, 
I find it interesting mm-hmm. where they've got this video footage from an you know an Air Force fighter plane, and they've got this thing locked into their 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 sights, and they're tracking it, and it kind of looks like a bug on the lens, to be honest. But it, it apparently yeah. is something they can't recognize, they can't identify, and it's creating no smoke. Uh, to me, it sounds like it could be a, a drone or maybe some technology that's even more advanced than what the United States is aware of. But my thought was, if if it's posing a threat of any kind, couldn't they shoot it and then, then have evidence of what it is? They apparently have no video footage that they release from the planes, besides the little thing they showed us. And why did they even bother showing it to us? I, I, sometimes I, I wonder if it's a distraction to say, hey, uh, don't worry about all this other stuff going on. UFOs. <laughs> look, look. <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys have always wondered, right? Are they real? Well, here they are. You know, it's um, and it it did look an awful lot like uh, some footage from Independence Day. I'm just <laughs> gonna say, I don't know why wouldn't they shoot it? I mean, what if it is, you know, not a UFO from another planet, but it's something we can't identify that perhaps another country in the world that has you know more advanced technology or something new that we're not aware of. I mean. Uh, I think it started many years ago when we started giving our technology away. Other people maybe built on it. Maybe they sent something over here. Maybe we should be afraid of something like that. I kind of, I kind of agree. And if yeah. we have it in our in a, in the sights of an Air Force fighter plane, would we not want to try to take it down? Get a little bit closer. Get I mean uh, you know see what uh, it is. You know. If if Batman owned that fighter jet, there'd be some sort of thing with a grappling hook that could get the thing and catch it intact. <laughs> yeah. But we're not even at the Batman level at this point. No. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden we're talking about it, and I, I'm not sure, you know, so if this stuff, if they've known about UFOs for the longest time, were they just worried that we would uh, freak out and go crazy in the past, and now they say, I think they're ready for it. We saw how you did with the COVID thing. We'll give them the UFO info now. What's next? Was yeah. that a test to see well, how well we could handle tough stuff? We have a couple of listeners chiming in thinking, yeah, it, I bet it is a distraction. I, I that's, that's sort of my gut feeling, which isn't worth anything. I get by it. By the way. No, I get it. Yeah. But, but it, it's like, why now? I always ask that question. Why now? Why this story? Why why right now, all of a sudden, you say, yeah, we're going to let you guys know. You would have, I mean, it isn't like people were saying, hey, I've been seeing some things in the sky. I mean, don't you think it's ironic? I, I don't know if ironic's the correct word. But, you know, we used to get all these pictures of Bigfoot and Loch Ness and UFOs. And then somebody invents the cell phone camera. Now everybody finally has a camera with them at all times. And we haven't seen any new pictures, <laughs> not a single new picture. Yeah, I do have an original, uh, authentic picture of Bigfoot, and the reason I know that because it's it's low res and slightly out of focus. Yeah, I thought that was a line drawing, and you made it yourself. <laughs> no, no, it's a authentic picture of him. So yeah, yeah, he's uh, ever since the cell phone camera came out, uh, Bigfoot said, "You know what? It's getting a little bit too rich, rich for me." Yeah. <laughs> There's no more Bigfoot pictures, is there? No, yeah, there there hasn't been a new one since the invention of the cell phone camera. There hasn't been a new Loch Ness. <laughs> You think, what could have possibly happened in the last 15 years that all of a sudden every Bigfoot picture going, that's it, we're all done. The guy, he's no no more photographs, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Bigfoot's, 
Yeah. And what has cell phones and cameras done to chivalry? Now, now all of a sudden you see fights break out. People don't try to in- intervene and break it up. They just film it. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, you can almost hear the person in the background saying, Hey, I would jump in and help out, but if this thing goes viral, I could make some money. <laughs> so I'll buy you a very nice gift in the hospital. I don't understand it. And, and you would think at some point you say, well, okay, 42 of you are capturing this on camera. Could one or two of you put the phone down? One or two, not everybody, but that's one person on another person. Maybe two of you could stop the whole thing from happening. We just were, you know, we're obsessed with being famous for a few minutes. Yeah, I know. That seems to be what more people are inclined to do than to jump in and help. So I hope I hope Christians are not doing that. I hope they're making a difference and stepping in and helping where needed. Yeah. Now, I, I would probably what I would do in that situation uh, if I were there is I would not make a video of, you know, the, the bad thing happening, I would make a videotape of all the people videotaping it so I can say, look at this person doing nothing. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's wrong with that person? Mm-hmm. Here's somebody else doing nothing, just videotaping the incident. Yeah. yeah. So oh, you, I don't, you had a gentleman uh, connect to you who listens to the show, and I th- think this is lovely that they are trying to pursue questioning things from their past. And I thought that's a great, always a great place to be because I'm a big fan of asking questions because the questions you ask in life will help you lead a better life. Yeah, I I, I really do think they will. And, you know, as you know, my pastor is, uh, he often does a sermon series on, you know, the tough questions, he'll call it. And, and he'll ask the people that come to the church to submit ideas. And he's very, very sincere when he says, I mean, give me your toughest one, you know, don't give me the one, you know, could, could God build a boulder so big that even he couldn't lift it, you know, uh, those from philosophy 101 type of questions. Give me the ones that, that really, you know, give you pause in your faith journey. Uh, cause those are the ones I want. Mm-hmm. Those are the, those are the ones that need to be answered. You know, don't, don't walk around with 42% of your questions answered and all the tough ones you're afraid to ask because you're afraid of the answer. And you can be afraid of the answer because sometimes the truth can be pretty fearful. Uh, you know, it's, 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 I think, a very tough thing when somebody's new to being a, a Christian, when they're trying to make that journey and say, I'm, I'm, this is, uh, um, it can be a tough leap for some people. They're, they're afraid of so much that they have to give up. They're afraid of, you know, what does the future hold? And so they, they don't want to ask. And you, sometimes you need to not only be the person to sit down and ask those questions, but, you know, you have to be willing to answer the tough questions. So I, I agree. I think it's nice that, you know, he's saying, I'm asking myself some tough questions. And maybe you know, I like that. Yeah. And maybe when you were growing up or your childhood experience, you, you, you learned something that was unbiblical, but you believed it to be true. And now you are faced with confusion as an adult. And I think we'll get those questions out there. Talk, get them answered. Yeah. I have a friend, uh, had two children and, uh, his son was killed. Uh, and he used to be involved in his church and he's not anymore. And he said to me, there are, there are things that make you question there are lots of reasons that people can lose faith and, and know what he was referring to. How could this happen to me? And I can't even imagine what it's like to go through that. And so, 
I, I think sadly in his particular case, you know, he has accepted uh, the the very very negative thing that there isn't you know something beyond just this existence that can answer that question for him. You know, he looks at losing his son and saying, "Well, that's it. You know, God doesn't care about me." And and it and it hurts to hear him talk like that. Mm-hmm. Because it's not true. I understand the questioning. I understand yeah. the questioning because I cannot imagine the pain, um, not even close. But uh, you know, I am I am very hopeful that he will continue to ask questions and that you know, and maybe it'll take time. I don't know, but maybe he'll come back. I'm hoping he comes back. Mm-hmm. So as we have these mask mandates lifted, our our city is getting a little bit lighter on the mask mandates, and I think. That's a good sign. But guess what is selling like crazy now that they've lifted many restrictions? Any idea? Masks? No. no I don't know. <laughs> uh, Deodorant and teeth whiteners. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you mean mouthwash. <laughs> no, teeth whiteners. Well, and, and say maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, it's... Uh, although I have to say... You take the mask off and you say, and because when you put the first time you put the mask on and you wear it for part or better part of a day, you think, is this what other people experience when they're around me? <laughs> kind of right. comes right back at you a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Teeth whiteners. Uh, you know, they always talk about, um, in fact, a, a friend of mine was diagnosed with COVID feet. What is that? And the doctor said, have you been working from home for the last year? And he said, yeah. He says, yeah, your feet sort of flattened out. You, you haven't been wearing shoes? Nope. Says, yeah, well, you know, you know, you're going to have to start, you know, because he said he put shoes on and it was horribly uncomfortable. He had foot pain. He went to the doctor. He says, you have COVID feet. It's from, you know, not wearing shoes and uh, not walking around as much. And, uh, yeah, your your feet kind of, uh, it's either they flatten out or the arch goes up. I, it's one or the other. But uh, you're, they're in a different state of being, and mm. it hurts to try and get them to go back to where they were. Wow. COVID feet. Wow. It's a diagnosis. What about COVID fog? We only have 30 seconds left, but do you feel like your your mental acuity is, you know, that you've heard stories of people that they're not feeling quite as sharp as they once did? I think so, yeah. I, I think, too, you know, without the mask mandates in place, it's also the the COVID getting used to, uh, making sure I'm smiling and not making faces at people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Don't tell me you haven't done it. You're occasionally going, I'm just going to stretch my mouth out right now because I'm behind a mask and I can do it. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't do that anymore. No. I know. I, think I know. COVID. Patrick, happy yeah. Monday to you. Thanks for getting the week started. As always, it's, hey. it's always fun to start things on a, on a light note. Yep, I agree. All Thank right. you. Yep, see you later. Patrick Albanese has been my guest to start the week off. Coming up next, the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles. He's already here in studio opening up his Bible and his computer and getting things ready. So we'll be right back with David and Rosie and I.
Welcome to the Monday Afternoon Mix with now 32% more mix, whatever that means. <laughs> Pastor David Miles, Rosie Browson, we are here, ready to do business. Welcome. Get it that, is a good get, get Monday. Get microphone on. Oh, it is You a, don't have David's oh, on I yet. don't have David's yeah, on. Yeah, yours is oh, on, but goodness. not David's. I didn't want it. There you go. Let's try again, David. Hello. Hello, everybody. What voice is that? <laughs> what voice is that? I'm not sure. It okay. sounded kind of like a. It sounded kind of like a Donald Duck mixed with yeah. groovy. Got a little Donald Duck. Yeah, with a little yeah. groovy Donald Duck. A little groovy Donald Duck. A little old school. Yeah. Yes. So as we do a little preview of upcoming events, we've got some fun things coming up on the Monday afternoon mix. We do. Would you like to share with the audience? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, here coming up, we had a wonderful time sharing about a Mother's Day, and uh, thank you again for all the moms and all the spiritual moms and just that so we're going to recap something in june we're going to do a father's day uh special and so uh, dr clarence Schuler, uh, who uh, him and his wife brenda run a ministry called blur uh they're going to come and we're going to be sharing a book that he and dr gary chapman wrote called choosing greatness or choose great choose greatness yeah. yep i have one in my hand and so super looking forward to that that's going to be on the 7th of june and then the following week um dr Schuler and dr Gary Chapman, author of The Five Love Languages, they're going to come and they're going to share about their mentoring relationship that they've had for years and just what it looks like for for young men and for, for boys. And, and just it's going to be a really neat, powerful time. Super excited about it. Yeah, we're excited about that. And uh, Clarence's book is Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions That Brave Young Men Make. Yes. We need more brave young men. I was going to say, that is a timely book. Isn't it, though? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually one they jointly did together. So it's uh, it's really neat to get the perspective of an older uh, patriarch and a mid-level you know, mm-hmm. person. So but these questions are, you know, Bill, they're, they're fascinating, and they're so timely uh, right now, you know, um, Wise decisions, you know, choosing to seek wisdom from parents and trusted adults. And, you know, there's just a number of them. So you have to you have to come back and uh, tune in. It's going to be a great time. I love questions that apply to everyone. Questions like, do you need to change your use of technology? Yes. That's a great question. As a mom of two 20-something boys, can I just say yes with yeah. a capital Y-E-S? I've said before, we create technology, then it turns around and recreates us. Yep. So we have, to be, we have to be careful what we're stepping into, what Whoa. we're agreeing to, because it, it has a life of its own. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is. And a reminder of the, uh, the documentary on Netflix, uh, Social Dilemma, you know, and it's like, you know, either, either you, you're using the product or you are the product. And um, I remember uh, a mentor, dear brother, uh, my seminary advisor, my college um, pastor, Dr. Greg Scharf, he did a message years ago. I love the Word of God because it's just powerful and it stands out. And I remember he was somewhere in Isaiah, and there's a section on how um, we serve gods that our forefathers didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was in you know mid-'90s, and just talking about the advent of some of the boom of technology and making that correlation. And now, you know, 25 years later— Wow. I feel like there's great hope, though, as we discern what technology has done to this generation, to the to the millennial, to the Gen Z. I feel like there's great hope in 
helping the next generation that's coming after Gen Z manage it differently. And for the adults that are um, leaders and are, you know, have influence for them to take more responsibility morally on what we are allowing through the wave airwaves um, that are hitting our kids. And so I think we have this great opportunity to reset what technology is doing. Wow, Rosie, what a what a beautiful picture of grace, you know, and mercy. And you're so right about that. I mean, like so right about, you know, seeing something a certain way and kind of getting this message to say, hey, this is what it looks like. And also saying there's a different way to live and to operate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you know, we're picking back up today in our, our Luke chapter 14. And in essence, you know, a parable, Jesus is giving parables. And last week we were looking at the parable of the banquets. And uh, today, you know, we're going to jump into the parable of the great feast. But, you know, a parable was simply a story illustrating Jesus's kingdom, you know, priorities. And like you're saying, Rosie, I think with this next generation, as they get through this and, and perfectly with God's wisdom and many people in our listening audience as they love uh, their neighbors, friends, and others around them with the love of Christ, you know, that that wisdom will shine through. All right, David, let's jump back into Luke 14. I'm scrambling to find my notes. I can't find them. So you're going to have to help me here. Well, I know last week we talked about the hypocrisy, right? We were talking about hypocrisy through the scripture. And so I'm curious because now we're switching it to the great feast Part, the wedding feast, the we are the bride going to our wedding. Yes. And so right on, Rosie. Bing. Bing. Doorway. See, and, I'm not helpful. And, <laughs> I was just, I was covering Bill. Thanks, you are Rosie. helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, I said, it, I'm not it, helpful. The path, the <laughs> I path. didn't turn on the mic this morning, though, so, or, or this afternoon. So we're good. We're, we've got each other covered. Okay, good. Well, the passage opens up in Luke chapter 14. And, uh, you know, Jesus is at the house of a ruler of a Pharisee. You know, so earlier he'd been at the house of a Pharisee. And this, this man is um, there who's not typically invited a person who had dropsy. And so they were looking at, you know, is Jesus going to heal on the Sabbath or not? And he, he calls out the hypocrisy, one, and saying, listen, if you had a son or an ox and they fell into a well in a field, immediately you'd help them. So, you know, I want to want to be able to do that. And, then, and he uses that as a springboard to talk about, um, you know, when you go to people's houses, um, don't rush to get like the first seats. You know, don't let that be your 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 aim, but to wait and to allow um, others to invite you up. And so we, we kind of laughed last week that when a person showed up, and, and so you have all these graduation celebrations coming up, and say you had a, a banquet. Back then, if you come in and sit down, they would come and move you. You know, they would be like, Bill Arnold was here. Sorry, <laughs> we're going to move you to the side. And, you know, and so Jesus is like, instead of seeking that, you know, seek the kingdom of value of serving one another. And he makes the point of saying that the first will be last. And then he turns his attention to the actual, you know, host, um, uh, to the host themselves. And, and he says, you know, don't just have a party for, for your friends and um, family and the like, but, but invite people to your party who can't repay you, you know, that they, that they have, nothing that they can give you in return. And, 
you know, it's such a powerful, uh, you know, picture that he's giving of just serving people who, who, um, who can't repay. And the truth of the matter is that we live that every day mm-hmm. because which one of us could ever pay for the salvation that we have, for the last breath that we just took, you know, the fact that God holds all things to go, together, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I mean, like, which one of us, you know, could, could repay his mercy? I think the answer is uh, none of us. And apart from him, we can do nothing. And like my friend George says, oftentimes our next breath comes at the mercy of an all-sovereign God. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great. So why do we, you know, why do we struggle, you know, on this, this one hand of, of, of this, this ridiculous depth of forgiveness, um, you know, that others have uh, or that we have in Christ and then our, our actual interaction relationships with other people? That's the age-old question, right? That, doesn't Paul talk about that? Man, may he, he might not have been specifically mentioning that, but I do what I don't want to do. So we know that we should be extending our hand. We know we should be giving forgiveness. And yet, you know, you have an offense and it hurt and it's hard and vengeance is the Lord's, but maybe he has a little something for you to respond with too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and all of it, it. And you're fighting your flesh all the time, which has got to be rooted in rebellion and pride, right? You know, we rebel against what God tells us to do by, by taking it back from him. And the pride is... You know, I can't even imagine that people would go to the front and sit at a place that they're not supposed to. You know, that just is amazing to me. But that's got to come out of pride. Well, it's a sense of, you know, if you're with a certain group of people, you know, oh, okay, that, that's who you are. And, you know, I'm, I'm now going to invite you to my party. And, and, and one of the things in talking about this, you know, with our, with our New Hope family uh, the other day um, was... This guy had Jesus, you know, as his guest. I mean, like, when I was a kid, you know, I was like, that'd be cool, like, if Michael Jordan came to my birthday party. (laughs) But this guy has got Jesus, you know, at his party. And Jesus is basically saying, listen, yeah, you know, I'm here. But when you invite, invite those that, that cannot, you know, repay you know, that they can't give anything in return, you know. And, and one of the things that's interesting, he says um, this, you know, just honoring these people, honoring them, and probably even not even honoring them and saying these people, because that's even a us, them, but honoring what we talk about here a lot about image bearers, that these are people created in, in God's image, you know. So I think it brings up the topic of, hospitality too, David. I think hospitality is a gift. I don't know if everyone has it, but the people who really can can extend easily invitations to strangers are kind of a rare breed. Or, or I'm way off. I don't no, know. I, I think you're right. I think it is a rare breed. And I think, you know, I don't know that it was such a rare breed prior to technology as we opened up with, because in in the day, I remember growing up in a small town and everybody's door was open. And mm-hmm. hospitality yeah, meant right. there was Kool-Aid for kids and cards for parents and everybody's yard was open and everybody would gather and the house would change. 
But today there's scheduled sports. There's people who are working late. Both parents are working, you know. And so I think it's kind of a, a indication of our times, the busyness of our times. Our, the simplicity of life has changed. Yeah, and I, one of the things is that we're, we're highly mobile. Um, you know, Tammy would talk about these two dear, just godly women, um, you know, Carolyn Lindgren and um, Esther Lundgren, you know, so like similar names, um, but they were these two godly, you know, women in the Cullum Baptist Church in Cullum, North Dakota, Swedes and Germans. And she said, you know, after a Sunday, there would be a bunch of people at Caroline's house, you know, and if you were the visiting person preaching or speaking, you knew you were going to end up there. And so this 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 idea of relationship, this idea of gathering around you know, um, the table is huge. And and if you're listening right now and you're driving, you're like, I don't really feel that connection. You know, can I encourage you? That's one of the things about being in a local body of believers in Christ. It's, it's common unity or community. And even going one step into that even more so is, you know, consider giving a small group or a life group, you know, a, a try, you know, give that, give it an opportunity to be in relationships with people and and share life together because it can be a very beautiful thing. I agree. All right. Take a little break. When we come back, lots more of the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles and Rosie and I will be right back. David Miles, Rosie, and I were talking about Luke chapter 14. We're going to get to the end of the parable now, aren't we, David? We are. Let's do uh, it. What happens is is they they, they cross over into this parable of a great banquet. So after Jesus tells them not to invite um, just your friends, you know, and Jesus isn't against you being together with family and friends. He's saying not just exclusively only them. And we can do this, you know, sometimes in Minnesota because we have tight-knit things. And he said, but listen, Invite other people, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just, in verse 14. Verse 15, then when one of those who was reclined at the table with them heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many, and at the time for the banquet he sent out his servants to say to those who were invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. The next said, I bought five oak yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another one said, I've married and therefore I can't come. And so you have this incredible banquet just prepared uh, for people to come to it. And this this lavish host sends out all these, these sends out servants to say, hey, guys, it's ready. And these individuals had RSVP'd. Now, earlier, you, you hear the man reclined by Jesus saying, 
Blessed is everyone who will um, eat bread in the kingdom of God. See, this, is, this, this, this phrase was a picture of the future kingdom of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets, and certain Jews being their guest host. Because if you go back to chapter uh, 13, you'll see that in verse 30 that he's talking. So they're, they're thinking, we're shoo-ins. I mean, like, and, and they would have never imagined that anyone else uh, would be included in this because women weren't invited to the feast, uh, definitely not some of the outcasts and definitely not some of the, the Gentiles. And so Jesus is like, well, guess who's invited to dinner? And he says, this guy gives a great banquet. And he's like, man, send out your servant. And the servant's like, come, everything's ready. We've spent all this time preparing food and butchering animals. And what are the, what are the responses? The first one, piece of real estate, had to go see it. Now, in the East, like here, uh, transactions were long. It, t- it took a lot of time, and it was complicated. And, and plus, th- this was a-, a while, so like, how's this guy examining this in the dark? Second guy, he had bought oxen. Same thing, highly unlikely, like my son DJ, that he bought a vehicle, but buying it without test driving. So, and then the last person was, you know, I got married. And weddings were very elaborate things. Uh, and so the idea of not knowing this in advance um, was, was highly unlikely. And one, one, one commentator said, like, these were the lamest of all excuses. <laughs> now, before we go there, these three individuals might have been suffering from FOMO. What's the, that? The fear of missing out. Mm. So that's back to the thing of social media mm-hmm. and things that sometimes makes it hard to put down because, you know, what's behind that next swipe? There's a dopamine hit. And, and so sometimes we, we have this fear of, of, of missing out on things when, when there's a banquet that's been prepared. And so, so as you're driving today, you know, are you allowing um, various things to crowd out the claims of God on your life? So are you allowing the things of business, the claims of business to crowd out the claims of God in your life? Or like the second person, are you allowing the, the novelties of life to crowd out the claims of God in your life? Or even the good things, because the man was getting married. It wasn't that that was a bad thing, but that, 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 that crowded out uh, his ability to respond to this, to this invitation. And, um, well, it, it actually takes an interesting turn. So in verse 21, it says, So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and cripple and blind and lame. These are the very people that Jesus told them in verse 13 to invite. And so they, they were saying to the people in the city, so that they belonged in the city. Now, guys, this would have been scandalous. Because these aren't the individuals that you would invite it to the, the red carpet event. And so this servant goes and does it. And he says, sir, what you've commanded has been done, and there's still room. And the master said, go out to the highways and hedges. And that word hedges literally means fenced in places. So think of walls and segregated areas. And he says, and he says compel the people to come in. He's like, you know, and, and here's what's so sweet about it. He's like, compel the people to come in that my house may be filled. 
you know, God has a desire. And in this passage, we see this, this kind of insider, outsider, not included, um, you know, and here's the thing. When you, when you otherize people, we talk about this. When you otherize people, you can do with them whatever you want to. Call a baby, not a baby, but a fetus, and we're 61 million dead. Um, if you say a person's three-fifths human, you have slavery. If you, you say they're heathen savages, you have a, a holocaust of near 100 to 114 million people on this continent who have died of Native Americans. And if you called them undermenschen, um, which was a term that, that the Germans took from an American eugenicist named Lothrop Stoddard, you end up with this. And so you end up with the death of Jews. You know, I have a beautiful testimony of someone sharing the gospel with me. And, uh, you know, weddings are really cool. They're coming up. And one time had a conversation about being in a wedding with with a person and having to tell our brothers, you know, you're not going to be in there. Um, but the person's wedding came, went, and it's their wedding. Like, so it wasn't a big deal, not even, you know, asked to be in it, but not even invited. And it was kind of interesting. Um, and the person later, after a promise keepers thing in Washington, the big one in 1997, uh, said the Lord had told him, you need to, to, to talk to Dave. And so he told me, and he said, I, I didn't have you in my wedding because I was afraid of what my future in-laws would think of me having a good friend who was black, mm. you know. And so this is a person who led me to Jesus. And it's like, wow. It's like, and so one leader asked me the other day, like, you know, why your heart for, you know, the multi-ethnic church? One, because we're making disciples of all nations. And also because it's larger to the glory of God that I have a friend who sticks closer than brother, you know, because it was hard. This person had was a part of leading me to Christ, discipling me through high school and into college, you know, and it wasn't because, like, I had bad breath. It was like, so it was, I find it strange that, you know, this thing that people are like, ah, it doesn't matter, does, it's not real. It's actually been, you know, there's been some, some real things about it. And so, so when, when Jesus tells them, go out onto the city streets and invite those people in. Oh, now, now, go out to the highways and the hedges, out to outside of the city, non-citizens of the city. So not just your tax collectors, but these are Gentiles, which is all of us right now listening, or the majority of us listening today. And he says, you know, invite them in that my, my house might be filled. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. I've never been so happy to be on the B list. Yeah. I'm, right? I'm like... <laughs> well, the Z like, list, really, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll just go with B for <laughs> for practicality, but... Did your friend's parents not know you? Uh, no, it was it was his future in-laws. And, and so I never met them. They lived in another state. Okay. And do you think it was kind of cowardly of your friend? Um, I don't... I... I don't know, you know, what what to necessarily say or like to speak to the person's motive. I, I all I know is that, you know, we sat down and he he just said to me, "What I'm about to tell you, my wife just found out like on Friday, and this was a Tuesday night, and I happened to be coming to Chicago to look at Trinity, and so um, 
it didn't really hit me until about like a month later. Like what that really, I mean, it probably hit me, but I was kind of like, all right, you know, mm-hmm. you've got, and there were some big things that God was doing and challenging me in my life that I was really pursuing him on. So it didn't fully hit me, but when it hit me, it was like, wow. So no, I, I've, I've never, I've never met his wife's parents. Mm-hmm. So they're lost. They lived, uh, they're lost. Well, I drive me crazy so sometimes, so that might be, but thanks, mm-hmm. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, David. This has been a great study. This is Luke 14. I want to go back and study it again and again. It's awesome. There's still some sweet stuff. Cause there is. There's a forward-looking thing, and we might have to come back to that another time. Well, I want to get back to salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Let's talk about that next time. Ooh. That's good. Ooh, that's All good. right. That wraps up our Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie. After a short break, we're going to be back with not only Beth Guckenberg, but Rob Hall, president of the organization Trauma Free World. We're going to talk about trauma. It's probably more common than we think, and there's a lot of it as a result of things like COVID. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.